Welcome to this edition of Rural Perspectives, brought to you by Ag Country Farm Credit Services. This is Kara Hart with the Red River Farm Network. Ag Country Farm Credit Services Market Education Specialist Katie Tangen joins us today. Katie, the first week of May was a very strong week for the corn markets. His big moves, um, you know, really the, the rally goes back eight months. We started it in August, September t- time frame. And this week was the biggest move we've had over that whole eight-month time frame. So really stepping it up, really picking up the pace, and, you know, at a point we kind of already were like, how much more can we take? But I think one important point from this week that's been different from other weeks is we've seen a little bit of a shift in focus, not so much on the old crop, although that's still very healthy, um, but we're looking more and more at what's happening with new crop, where that balance sheet might lay, um, kind of just seeing a flip over a little bit to the next crop year. I, I don't know how permanent that's going to be because obviously they're they're in de- you know they're they're dependent on each other to an extent. But we are seeing more interest in what's happening with the 2021 crop. Katie, this market is signaling that corn supplies are pretty tight. They really are. If you know, you go back to 12 and 13. And you look at just the sheer bushel amount. Yeah, we have more bushels available than we had then, but we also have more use. So our stocks to use ratio is not a whole lot different than what it was at that point. I would say we're slightly more comfortable, but it's it's a tentative situation. And I think the other part of that is no one's totally sure where Chinese demand is going to lay. So if you go back to 12 and 13, uh, a lot of that was a drought. You know, we, we had a bad year in 12. We didn't have as many bushels as we thought. And it's not that the 20 crop was really a bad crop. It maybe wasn't as big as people thought. But this has been more of a demand story than a supply, which is a little bit different type trading situation. On Friday, USDA confirmed uh, export sales of corn to China at more than 1.3 million metric tons. That's a lot of corn. And it seems like uh, even with the sales that we're seeing, the shipments are actually following through. I think some people are surprised that that's happening. There's talk about whether or not logistically we can ship enough corn to meet USDA's projections, but that's been a discussion all year, really. And, And you're right, we saw those new crop sales. And no, they weren't the 2020 crop, which is what we've seen so much of. But a million, more than a million metric ton sale is nothing to, to laugh at either at this point in time. And the fact that they're buying that at, you know, five, five and a half dollar levels says a lot about how much they really want that corn. Um, you know, back in March, we had a three or four day time period where we had reported sales every day. And, and none of those independently went over a million metric tons. If you had added those four days together, they would have been the largest sale on record. You know, and, and that came at a time when the market was inverted, when prices were high. Obviously, they're higher now. You really have to look at what's going on and what China's doing and when they're buying. And it, it seems to indicate they really have a true appetite for those bushels. Now, fast forward six months, you know, we don't exactly know what's going to happen with ASF and, you know, what sort of political situation we're going to be in. But the fact of the matter is today's balance sheet is tight and we don't know what the supply is going to be for the 21-22 crop year. And so we really have to slow some of that demand down to ensure that we meet you know, what we need to, um, to 
get the balance sheet back in order. I guess we'll get a, an opportunity to check that balance sheet, at least according to the USDA, that May WASDE report out Wednesday. It is. In May is the first month that they're going to make a projection for 2020 crop, and then they will also make their first official projection for 2021. Now, February, we had a kind of a, an estimate. It was real vague. And they aren't going to change yield. The acres should match what came out in March. But this is their first. We're going to put a demand out there, um, given current market conditions, and, and that's going to change. You know, they, they're going to do this balance sheet for 15 months, So, but it is the first chance we have to look at everything kind of put together in the same basket. And then after we get through that, a lot of the focus is going to continue to be on weather um, and what what that's going to look like, because obviously for North Dakota, South Dakota, we're we're very, very dry. Now, the rest of the Corn Belt is in better shape, but there are dry pockets developing. And that's not really what the market's going to want to see when we already have a balance sheet that's that's tight. We saw on the crop progress report um, definitely making progress up here in the northern plains, at least where corn's concerned. At least in the valley, we have enough moisture to get the crop started. So where the bulk of the corn is going to be southeast North Dakota, be okay to start. Obviously, Two weeks from now, three weeks from now, we are going to need some moisture. As far as how much that's going to affect U.S. corn prices, I would say probably not a lot. It'll get talked about, but it'll be maybe watched a little bit closer in soybeans. If we start to see that band of developing dryness in southern Minnesota, northern Iowa, kind of clipping Wisconsin and parts of Illinois, if that starts to intensify um, and we see it linger past the 1st of June, I think that's going to start raising a lot of eyebrows. Let's shift over to soybeans. Now, they're trying to buy acres, but they're really struggling with that, Katie. <laughs> they really are. And you, you look at it, it's kind of got a funny way of buying acres because they've fallen behind and they, and they really need to buy more. Um, it's always a discussion of how many acres you're actually going to pick up after you get past the end of March without a major move. And I don't know that we've seen that major move. Um, I don't think we're losing soybean acres, but I I question whether we're gaining a whole lot either. That balance sheet is, is pretty precarious. If you use the numbers that came out at the end of March, which the trade basically will for the moment, we don't have enough soybeans. And that, that balance sheet's unsustainable at that level of planting. So then the next question is, well, there are some missing acres. Um, where did they go? Because it doesn't really make sense, especially with dry conditions and high prices, that we would lose planted area. So USDA will not say ever exactly how they get to the um, kind of an inferred PP number, but I would expect we'd see some acres come out of that and into soybeans. Even if we do, it still doesn't solve. It maybe keeps us the same as where we were this year with the trend yield. So there's a lot of work to be done there. We have to start chipping back at demand which short-term solves the problem, long-term obviously creates some other ones, but the market is going to focus on the here and now. How high could soybean prices go? Yeah, that is a good question, isn't it? You know, I, I, I don't know, um, and I don't think anyone else does either, because if you go back a year ago, we were eight, eight, eight and a half, and now we're staring at prices that are 15, 16 bucks. 
So a lot can happen. And I think from a marketing perspective, we have to keep that in mind that, yes, we have very good, very good, attractive prices right now. A year from now, what are they going to be? I don't know. So make some of those sales. It is going to be very uncomfortable to make any sort of sales in this environment, but that doesn't make it wrong. It just makes it prudent risk management, which is kind of a dirty word right now. You know, no one wants to to do that because if you made a sale, you're already behind on it, in some cases by a lot. But when this falls apart, you're going to want to make sure that you already have some sales in place to get a good start. How much would you recommend farmers think about selling, you know, and then there's the other side of this too. We don't have a crop in the bin yet. We don't. And I, that we have to be very careful, especially for those who are dry. You know, I personally don't, this isn't a hard and fast rule. This is my personal opinion. I have a hard time going over 30, 40%, probably 40% of these price levels before it's been planted. You know, now we're kind of getting in the bin. So if you get it in the ground and it's coming up, um, you know, then maybe move up to 50. Do not go back past your insurance guarantee in any way, shape, or form, you know, before we get it combined. So if you're at 75% insurance, don't go over 75% of your APH. Um, I think that's kind of a guideline. And if we have more after harvest to sell, that's fine. We've had some questions on 2022 crop. Well, maybe I should make some sales for that. For beans, I don't feel real strongly about it because I don't really see a risk premium in beans. I would say for 2022 corn, I don't necessarily have a problem with making some sales, but we don't have our inputs locked in. So you have to keep those light at the moment. Um, and if you're going to start selling ahead, please make sure you start looking at, at fertilizer prices in August um, and try to avoid that situation where you might have decently priced corn, but inputs have continued to go up because of the demand for them. So the margin is not great. And we need to manage the margin, not just worry about the flat price of corn. Next week, we'll have that WASDE report. I would kind of clean up any loose ends. If you have any doubts you know, about, about the amounts you have sold or if you should be doing more sales, make sure you talk to, to someone, even if it's, you know, someone at the elevator, if it's a marketing advisor, if it's your loan officer and, and get their opinion. It's really helpful when we get in these sorts of situations to kind of have an unbiased or unattached look at where you're sitting right now. That's Katie Tangen in the latest edition of Rural Perspectives presented by Ag Country Farm Credit Services. Find out more at agcountry.com. I'm Kara Hart on the Red River Farm Network.